welcome to Because the Beatles, the podcast about the Beatles, everything about the Beatles 24-8. I'm Allison. And I'm Erica. And before we start, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or stream us on Spotify. And if you're enjoying BC the Beatles, feel free to leave us a preferably five-star review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting videos, photos, and more from this episode and beyond. And you can also email us, always email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. Well, hey. Hi. Hi. It's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a hot minute. Yes. We're back. I feel like we started a few episodes like this, but this might be the longest hiatus we've had, I think. So Definitely. Far. About six months, I think. Yeah, we took a, a nice chunk of time off. But we're back, and we just wanted to kind of chat with everybody about where we've been and, you know, a couple of things that we've been thinking of while we've been on hiatus. So I think our last episode was March-ish, right, yes. with Christine? And as you guys, if you think back to March, I know this year has been absolutely crazy. I can't believe it's already September. But there was a lot going on in March, and we're going to talk about that. But the one thing that we had planned to talk about before I went on hiatus was Ringo's EP, Zoom In. We do take the piss out of Ringo quite a bit in the show, but my fault, because, you know, I, I have my issues with Ringo. But we were going to talk about the EP. We had listened to the EP. We were, like, ready to talk about it. But, like, honestly... To be 100% transparent with you guys, we just honestly didn't feel like talking about Ringo's EP. And that wasn't just you and your Ringo issues. We had both listened to it. We both made notes. We both planned to record and discuss it. And, you know, it was just one of those things that it didn't spark the joy, as Marie Kondo would say. And so we couldn't get there. I think that's a really, really good way to put it. Plus, like... I feel like almost, and, and by the way, Erica, I don't know if you probably know this, but Ringo's coming out with another EP in a few weeks. <laughs> Which we are saying now, we're probably not going to talk about it on this yeah, show. probably not. We might mention it, but probably not. We're going to go deep into it. But anyway, so on top of the EP in March, there was so much happening in the Beatles world at the same time. So there was Ringo's EP. Same time as it came out, McCartney 3 Imagined came out, which, you know, to be fair, we, we both liked that quite a bit more. And there was a lot of hype around it, too. Paul was doing Instagram Live. There was just so much going on. Yeah, I think we both talked about maybe privately the Kiss of the Venus. We were like, oh, this is such a great track. You know, it came out a little bit earlier. Um, the thing I did not like, Erica, I need to mention real quick, is that deep fake Paul video. I can't handle that. It I hate it. broke my brain. I hate it. with fire. Oh, my Kill God. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could unsee that shit. Like, honestly, that was uncalled for. Not okay. I hate it. It created a new circle of hell. It's just too... No, no. It's bad. It's no... I, 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 I can't think about it for too long. You know, anyway. it's, it's in that same land of hologram Elvis. It just goes there, yeah. and I don't like it. Dude, there's, like, a guy on TikTok who does, like, a deep fake Elvis, and I... I hate deepfake. I don't like this. It seems evil to me. It might be the future. I hope it's not. I don't know. It just feels like it can be used for such nefarious political purposes that using it for entertainment is just the gateway into really bad things. I mean, it could go so far down the rabbit hole. It's just, it's not, just stop it, guys. Like, no more deepfake, especially this deck video. My God, awful. Don't do it again, please. Uh, we beg you. Um, so yeah, so that all that was happening. Plus, 
that same month, I got, I, it was like within a week or two, all this stuff happened. You know, the big Plastic Ono box came out, which I love that album. I was really excited for the stuff. I listened to it. It's awesome. But it was just like another thing that came out. We planned to talk about that in one of our episodes, and we just yeah. never got there. And then to pile on, then Linda's new cookbook came out, then the All Things Must Pass box set. And by the time the new Paul McCartney Hulu special came out last month, we were just totally underwater and unable to catch up. Yeah, there were times, you know, truthfully, and Eric and I talked the other day about this, it's like I felt so guilty personally for not covering this stuff. And I was just like, oh, but it kept mounting to the point where like, I didn't want to text Eric and be like, should we cover this? Because it was just so much. It was so much. Yeah. And sometimes it's just easier to stick your head in the sand and avoid those conversations. Yay. Absolutely. <laughs> because it was just a lot of stuff. So <laughs> everything just felt very overwhelming and it was impossible to keep up with it. And, you know, like, yeah. So all this suffice to say is, you know, what we're leading to is all the news in the Beatles world. You know, we sort of need to focus on what we actually care about. And, you know, if we don't feel like covering Ringo's EP, we're frankly just not going to do it. And you know what? That's fine. There's a Ringo podcast now. There's a lot of podcasts, which we'll get to in a bit. No, for real. Like, there are people who do it better than we ever could do to, like, go in deep about these releases and all that. It's like, that's just not our bag. And it never has been. But, you know, we'll certainly talk about things that interest us, but that's just not. Our brains can't handle <laughs> trying to keep up with everything all the time. Nope. And another thing that happened over the last couple of months was a real mounting of sexism and trolling and nastiness happening around female-fronted Beatles podcasts and generally female Beatles content creators. Part of the reason we started this podcast was that there was such a lack of female representation in this world. I mean, despite the huge impact that women have had on the Beatles and on this community. I mean, if you look at the lineage of Beatles authors, starting with Hunter Davies, going through Nicholas Schaffner in the 70s, and straight up to Mark Lewison. I mean, it's all men who were, you know, the top 10, top 25 Beatles authors that people think of. This is despite the fact that there are so many female Beatles historians out there, and there always have been. Absolutely. Like, how many times does, you know, somebody like Jude Kessler, who has written a whole who is still writing her John Lennon series, I mean, it's, it's so comprehensive that blows my brain it gets passed over for people like mark lewison which i'm not saying it's good or bad but definitely the women in this world should be mentioned in the same context as some of the men for sure exactly and the women really cornered a very important aspect of the beatles history and the sociological impact of the beatles which was the impact on the beatles fan community a lot of the most important studies of the fandom have really come from female writers that have documented their own fan experience and that of their peers and of other people around the world. And unfortunately, around 1967, when Beatles scholarship sort of went from something that women and especially young women were very keen on reporting to something that became more of a serious historical topic, and at that point, women and the topics that women were focusing on were relegated to the background. 
Yeah. I mean, that goes hand in glove with just the, you know, the whole teeny bopper movement. Rob Sheffield, our friend Rob Sheffield talks about this a lot, where it's like teenage girls always have know the coolest stuff, but people are quick to sort of like put women in the background and write them off as, oh, they just like that because the boys are cute. They can't be serious about this. And even though, you know, women had a very important place, and this is getting into a whole other world that we should probably get into at some point, but, you know, even in rock journalism in the 60s, but it was very easy for those women to be passed over in favor of male journalists just because they were, you know, heterosexual women, like basically. So, you know, it was easy for that research to sort of go undiscovered. With the dawning of the internet and when we both got into the fandom as second generation fans, you know, there's been a slight gender rebalancing, especially we've seen, we've been to fests and different panels over the years. And we felt a real need to make a contribution as well to even out that balance. And getting back to what our issue was, you know, of course we knew that as female historians in this space, we would be critiqued for everything from the topics we cover to, you know, the sound of our voices in a way our male counterparts are never, ever subjected to. Shout out to the guy who wrote the negative Apple podcast review about me sounding like a valley girl. Yeah, that's lovely. And I also like to highlight the lovely gentleman who called us chatty and catty. Catty, yes. I love that. I'm going to get that um, like a tattoo, like hashtag chatty and catty. I love it. And I'd love to see a male-led podcast in any genre critiqued as chatty or catty. You know, we started this podcast in 2018, and for the first couple of years, it was totally fine. Yes, we got our share of comments and reviews we just talked about, but it didn't matter because we got such a positive reception from listeners of all genders, and we really did feel like we were making a difference. You know, as we'll get into in a second, we felt like we really did sort of bridge that gap a little bit, or at least kind of try to like break it down a bit so other people could feel welcome to make their own voices heard in this space that was so dominated by men, you know, helping women and female identifying people come on in and talk about the Beatles. And it really, it exploded. It was crazy. And now there are so many women and it's, it's amazing. There's so many women in the space contributing everything from scholarly books to podcasts to Beatles YouTube channels and TikTok accounts. It's no longer like this novelty sort of dark corner of the Beatles world. You know, that's what we kind of always intended. There's enough of us that it's meaningful now. But with that meaningfulness and that larger number, there's come a new wave of vitriol from people who, I don't know, seem to take offense to our existing in this space in a way that's a bit more trollish and gendered more often than it used to, often taking the form of a butthurt man who resorts to lowest common denominator trolling. Like not even trolling just to troll against podcasts, but, you know, we've had people on Twitter try to like pit us against other female podcasts, like another kind of mind, which is insane because... Why would we take that bait? Because we're so catty. (laughs) We're so catty. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. (laughs) I totally forgot that we're very catty. That's right. Yes, yes. Never mind. Makes sense. And let me just say, this is not a big revelation to any woman who has ever tried to make her voice heard on the internet. This happens all the time. This happens a lot worse to a lot of other people. 
and we do our best to swiftly and happily take down trolls who try and sully our socials with this bullshit. If you see it, it's only because we've shared it and we've shared our comments and then we've deleted it. But we've got to admit it's taken some of the joy out of what we came here to do, which was celebrate the life-changing music of the Beatles. And, you know, we're not in it for the money and the fame. We're in it for the joy. I'm still waiting on the money and the fame. Okay, you keep waiting. <laughs> yeah. Podcasting yeah. is a labor of love. Let's put it that way. And that's okay. But yes. it's it's especially demoralizing when, you know, we're part of women's Beatles communities and we hear over and over again about fellow female content creators having to waste their time dealing with trolls or somebody made, you know, some nasty video about them on YouTube. Like, what the fuck? And it's just, there are, I don't, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, on one hand, I know that people should be out there, continue to do their thing, keep fighting the fight. It's important to re represent everywhere. But on the other hand, you know, this really is for joy. Yeah. And, you know, just to also springboard off of that, you know, we're not saying we don't welcome critique. We absolutely do. We are always looking to be better at whatever it is we're doing, whether it's podcasting, whether it's, you know, writing articles or, or social media, like anything. But this is to be like an asshole, just to be an asshole on the Internet, because not because of what we're saying, how we're saying it, anything like that, but just because we're women who happen to talk about the Beatles in a public forum. Like, if it's valid critique, please let us know. That's why we give our email directly. Yeah, absolutely. We want to hear from you, and we want to have discussions about the things that we bring up because we're interested in it, and we know that our opinion is not the only opinion. But, you no. know, let's keep it cool. Let's keep it civil. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, with all of this in mind, you know, something that we, Eric and I have had multiple conversations about over the hiatus um, is like a, a huge question. It's what the hell are we even doing? <laughs> you know, right. the podcast, you know, they're again, like I said, with a Beatles podcast, there's so much pressure to stay on top of everything. Um, you know, all the releases, which you would think that would be so easy because this band has been broken up for 50 fucking years. I know. What could there be new to talk about? Well, the Beatles are, as you all know, we're not saying anything that is surprising to you, but there's so much that comes out. There's so much to deal with the Beatles that just, you know, rolls out all the time. So it is hard to sort of like stay like on the up and up there. As we said before, there's a lot of Beatles podcasts out. Uh, there's a lot of YouTube channels. There's a lot of people who do unboxings or try to like give you advanced looks at releases or the music that comes with demos, whatever. So it's like very hard to devote the brain power that is needed to kind of like stay with that. Everybody started a Beatles podcast during quarantine. And that so is many. amazing. I love yeah. it when people start following us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and like a new Beatles podcast with a new perspective. And like every day, guys, I'm not joking. Like every day I look down on my phone and there's a Twitter notification. It's like such and such Beatles podcast just started following you. And I am like, what the hell? Another one? It's crazy. It's like, I've got to like have more hours in the day so I can listen to all I know. the Beatles podcasts. And they all have something to say that's new, which is amazing. I mean, some of them are really well structured, like our friends over at Blotto Beatles or Ranking the Beatles. Oh, Blotto Beatles. I still can't. 
I can't think about that evening because I don't remember it very well. I remember the fireball. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but yes, we love them and they do definitely do have their, you know, their own sort of format and their own angle. And of course there are more women here too. We mentioned uh, another kind of mind who also, you know, are connected with the one sweet dream podcast to kiddo tool and her bunch on Facebook that go live and do sort of a podcast thing to our girl, Caitlin, who's on YouTube to, you know, there's so many other women giving it to the masses as far as the Beatles go. This is wonderful. And this is what we wanted, but our niche of creating a female fronted Beatles podcast it's not really a niche anymore. You know, we are starting to think about who we are as we go into this, like, next stage of Beatles podcasting. It's not that special anymore to be a female-fronted podcast, which is amazing. Yeah, and we keep saying it's amazing, but it is because it's actually shocking. I remember when we started, it was like, um, screw it. Screw it was a huge uh, influence on us. And it's still, you know, whenever they release an episode every so often, it's great. Uh, We still need to have Will come on here. That would be awesome. Yes. Um, And then, you know, for your higher brow Beatles podcast, it's like something about the Beatles, you know, Richard Boston, like that kind of thing, you know. And then we sort of came along. We're like, hey, guys, new kid on the block. What's up? (laughs) And, you know, and now it's like just exploded. We do genuinely love it because there is so much to enjoy. Any Beatles fan, this is a, an embarrassment of riches for all of us. We're thinking about a lot of questions about what should this podcast be? Do we need a format? Do we need a new niche? Do we need to be broader? Do we need to be more narrow? What is it that we need to say? Yeah, these big life questions that we all ask ourselves about our podcast once in a while (laughs) but like the important part is that we're not we're not quitting like we did take time off but we're not quitting you know on the contrary we're very proud to have been around as long as we have for about what three years now yeah right more than that yeah and oh gosh okay well that's insane to me and you know we have awesome listeners who do reach out to us you know I I think I owe a lot of people emails actually sorry um and you know, our friends who we've made through the podcast, we're so grateful for all of you guys, for your support, for your kind words, for everything. You know, we truly do have some pretty exciting shit in the works. I feel like this time off has given us a new perspective and some new energy about what we want to do next. But we create this podcast as a vehicle to communicate with the wider Beatles audience. So we want to know what you want to hear from us. And, you know, we have gotten, we have covered topics in the past that have been emailed to us or uh, have been suggested to us by friends or listeners. So please, you know, bcthebeatles at gmail.com or shoot us a DM. We would love to hear what you would like us to talk about. Most definitely. So in thinking about our hiatus and coming back from our hiatus, one thing that we thought about in the Beatles world, because, you know, this is still a Beatles podcast. So after our top of the show airing of the room, we want to talk about the most famous Beatles hiatus, which is when John Lennon took some time off in the late 70s to become a house husband and bake bread. The question that I was curious about is, and I, we all have sort of an idea of why, but why did he actually, you know, take some time off? So John formally took time off in 1977, although a lot of people sort of correctly assume that started with the birth of his son, Sean, in 1975. But he and Yoko did a very famous interview with Playboy 
1980, where he was directly asked by David Sheff, why did you do it? And he said, you know, I had been under obligation or contract from the time I was 22, well into my 30s. My contract was the physical manifestation of being in prison. It was more important to face myself, yeah, and uh, face the reality than to continue a life of rock and roll, which is a huge, I mean, to hear John say that, you know, that's a, a really telling thing. And he said, rock and roll was simply not fun anymore. So Yoko, he said, Yoko showed me the possibility of the alternative. You don't have to do this. I don't really, but, 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 but. And so she, as you know, a lot of people know, John sort of stayed home, took care of the house, took care of the baby. And Yoko went to work. She became his representative with Apple and the publishing and, you know, did all the deals and, you know, met with the attorneys and all that kind of thing. Well, John sort of just like, took the time off. Yeah. And and John, you know, not only did he find that rock and roll was not fun anymore, which is a really interesting thing. I mean, John has had so many different phases of his life and all of it goes back to him trying to find himself and, you know, making this decision of not being John Lennon for a little while, like that takes some crazy courage. And I, I think that part of it was that he knew that he wasn't the best father to Julian. And I think having another child, he really wanted to do it right this time. John had said about this time that, you know, Sean will be five and I wanted to give five solid years of being there all the time. I hadn't seen my first son Julian grow up and now there's a 17 year old man on the phone talking about motorbikes. I was not here for his childhood at all. I was on tour and my childhood was something else. If I don't give him attention from zero to five, then I'm damned well going to have to give it from 16 to 20. They're going to get that attention somehow. He would know. He would know from himself. <laughs> He's learning yeah. from the mistakes he made with Julian. And yes. he gave him the last five years of his life. He gave him five years. Yeah. I mean, he definitely turned it around in those years. He, you know, obviously went on vacations with Sean and Julian. And there are lots of pictures that I, I love when they pop up, you know, of the three of them yeah. hanging out. Um, that was when John started wearing a wedding ring, which is very simple, but very telling Mm -hmm. for that portion of his life. Beyond that, he really did want to find himself. If rock and roll didn't make him happy anymore, what was it going to be? Who was he? What was he? You know, in um, 1979, Yoko actually urged John to take a solo trip to Singapore and Hong Kong to reconnect with himself. The way she nurtured him was the way he needed to be nurtured. She let him be on his own when he needed to. She encouraged that, and she let him discover his true self. Right. And, you know, thinking about the whole thing of, like, abandoning rock and roll to focus on himself, some could argue that his varying amounts of success in the 70s leading up to these years might contribute to it, but we'll leave that alone for a minute. But I think the way, like you said, the way she nurtured him, the way she encouraged him, even with like the long weekend, you know, to sort of like spend time with himself instead of burying himself and hiding from himself, whether it be in rock and roll or women or her or whatever. It's like, I don't think he would have been enabled to really get to know himself if it hadn't been for Yoko being like, no, you know, you can take time off and rock and roll. You can go to Bermuda. You can do all this stuff. It's important for John to know John. Yeah, his whole life was about knowing John. I think that's why he connects with so many people, despite 
you know, he he did some kind of unsavory things when he was younger that a lot of people don't get away with. But, you know, I think in a way we forgive that because we relate to him just being so lost and this journey of trying to find who you are. And he tried basically everything under the sun to try and figure it out. And toward the end of his life, I think that this hiatus that he took from music, this solitude that Yoko allowed him to have in this travel, he, uh, at one point he said, I'd been under contract since I was 22 and I was always supposed to. I was always supposed to write 100 songs by Friday, supposed to have a single out by Saturday. It dawned on me that the reason I became an artist was freedom, because I couldn't fit into the classroom, the college, the society. I know freedom is in the mind, but I couldn't clear my mind, so it was time to regroup. And that's a very mature thought, I think, in somebody's self-realization journey, that freedom really is in the mind. Definitely. And he, again, like I said, being under those contracts and being supposed to, it felt like prison. And I can imagine that. Like, that's that's a lot of pressure, especially when you're that age. And, you know, as we, we know, Erica, getting older, you know, I just had kind of a big birthday-ish, you know. But the, the great thing about getting older is you have that perspective. And you're sort of like, if you don't want to do something, you're kind of like, nah, I don't really want to do that thing. So I think that also just sort of the benefit of time and age allowed him to have a little bit more agency when it came to himself. Yeah. And he, he knew that it wasn't external, that he wasn't, yeah. he couldn't find that freedom in rock and roll or in women or in drugs. He had to find yeah. it in himself. And it sounds like he did. At one point he had said about this Singapore and Hong Kong trip, he said, I'm looking out over the Hong Kong Bay and there's something ringing a bell. It's like, what is it? And then I just got very, very relaxed. And it was like a recognition. This is me. This relaxed person is me. I remember this guy from way back. I know who I am. It doesn't rely on any outside agency or adulation or achievement or hit record. It's absolutely irrelevant whether the teacher loves me, hates me. I'm still me. He knows how to do things. He knows how to get around. Wow. So I called Yoko and I said, it's me. I love that. Oh. I want that. <laughs> I don't think I've reached that that part of uh, self-enlightenment quite yet. But, you know, I'm glad that John got there. Well, you have to go through the John Lennon program. So if you've done the drugs and the sex and the music, like, I just make sure you're oh, through yeah, all of okay. the steps. Yeah. I'm working on it, Erica. I'm working on it. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you've done the John Lennon self-realization program, let us know. We're going to trademark that so nobody steal it. Thanks. Yeah, this is now a life coaching program based on the John Lennon method. I think we just found our niche. By oh, the way. We're gonna yeah. Be motivational. We're going to be the Tony Robbins of the John Lennon self-realization program. Oh uh, first step is meet us in Bermuda. We're going to be on a boat for quite a while. Oh, I'm excited about this. This is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to book a flight. <laughs> and the last thing that I want to bring up about John and his hiatus, course, which I do. think is very... I have to talk about this. I have to talk about this. (laughs) We can't get through even a John talk without talking about Paul. No, we cannot and we will not. I think part of his self-realization journey manifested in the way he saw Paul at this time. I mean, if you think about it, one of the main inspirations for John to get back into music after doing all of these journeys of self-discovery, both literal and figuratively, was hearing Paul's song coming up. And so, you know, maybe sometime away, 
gave him that distance that he needed for some new perspective on his relationship with Paul, his old partner, their partnership, what they did, and put the past arguments of especially the late 60s, early 70s behind him and really see what it was that they had and they did. And just honestly say, wow, that, that totally turned me on and I'm going to write again. I mean, that's what two of us is about, right? Well, I live my life based on Beatles biopics, so yes. <laughs> we have to go deep into two of us at some point because... Yeah. I mean, I'd love to think that they got stoned and danced in the park to Shaboom. That would be great. Let us know if you want to do, uh, if you want us to do a movie series. I would love that. I love Beatles biopics. I I could talk about them all day long. Yeah. Let us know. Add us and let us know. But to wrap up this John, John's hiatus topic, I, I love this quote. And this is from the same John Yoko Playboy interview. This is why uh, on John on why he decided to return to public life after his hiatus. He said, you breathe in and you breathe out. We feel like doing it and we have something to say, which I think works for us too. We I think so we too. <laughs> we feel like doing it and we have something to say. And we think we have something to say again. So we are back. Yeah. Well, we're happy to be back. Thanks for listening to Because the Beatles. And as we always say, subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening right now, and give us a rating slash review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, especially if you're a new Beatles podcast. We want to know about everyone out there. I want to see those notifications coming in, guys. Yes, Come on. keep them coming. We'll be posting photos and more from this episode and beyond. Remember, you can always email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. See you next time. Bye. Bye.